Our next guest, Catherine Dunphy, she's the author of a book called From Apostle to Apostate, The Story of the Clergy Project. Basically, she went from believer to atheist. And according to all the believers, Catherine is on the highway to hell. Oh. You see, that's why we played oh, that song. Oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Let me see if we can actually hear Catherine joining us all the way from... Catherine, where the heck are you right now today? Um, I am just at home, outside of Toronto. Just at home outside of Toronto. Well, welcome to the Drew Marshall Show. I want to start off by uh, just a little rant here for a second, if you don't mind. Okay. My issue with the clergy project is it bugs me that the Jesus people aren't doing this themselves, that it takes the atheists to be able to say to the clergy who no longer believe, we will help you transition into whatever you, you know, into the next phase of your life, because we realize what a huge transition this is. Why can't the Jesus people do this? Why 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 has it got to be you guys? That's a really good question. Um and um I think perhaps one of the reasons is that this is kind of a dirty little secret hmm. that uh clergy people lose their faith and they um go through the dark night of the soul and they come out the other side relieved of their soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. If uh, so to speak. So, um I think it's a problem that the church or churches don't really know how to solve. Um because the expectation is that when you go through your dark night of the soul, you come out, you know, stronger or the new and improved updated Christian 2.0, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so it's hard to solve a problem that you're really trying to ignore or avoid. So I, I think that's why it took the atheist to set up the clergy project. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Well, I'm still very disappointed in the tribe uh, for not figuring <laughs> but, that. But would any tribe out. be involved in, in what? Because otherwise it might seem like kind of underhanded. Oh, you left the tribe. Well, we've got a program for you. Really? If, well, yeah, would well, they let's say, say it in that kind of well, stalkerish yeah, voice? Of too? course. Well, like it, perhaps would, would, <laughs> would there be a Muslim organization for Muslims who have decided to give up on Islam? Would there be a Jewish organization? Yeah. There is a Muslim organization to help Muslims who have lost their faith. There's the oh. Council of Ex-Muslims in Great Britain and um, Ex-Muslims of North America. So yeah, they have their groups too. All right. So listen, when, Ka- Catherine, mm-hmm. were you really a believer? Because that's what I, when I started struggling with. I'm no longer in the club of certainty. I'm not in your club. But when I came out of the tribe of certainty, evangelical Christendom, I would have people say to me, uh, you know, such things as, uh, well, you, you probably weren't a Christian in the first place because, you know, mm-hmm. once saved, always saved and that kind of stuff. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you with that. You mm-hmm. sure, are you sure you, you were really a Christian before? I don't know how you could be more... Christian, and I'm gonna. Well, I was raised a Catholic. So, See, even the even the, even the Christians Catholic. I used to hang out with would say, "Well, no wonder that's not even a real Christian." You know what I mean? Well, you know, the Catholic Church kind of predates all other Christianity, so you know they kind of cornered the market on that. Right, so, right. so you can say that, but it doesn't make it so. Um, anyway, <laughs> I would say that I was I was raised a Catholic. I was a cradle Catholic. I couldn't get more religious than I was. Really, I really couldn't. Going to church every Sunday, praying the rosary, um, being an altar server, 
doing readings at church, becoming a Eucharistic minister, doing an undergraduate degree in theology, doing a master's degree in theology. I don't know how you can get more Christian than that. <laughs> no. Ding, ding, really? ding. You win the door prize. Nice. Yeah. So, so I don't think, um, I think that's really unfair. Like somehow believing in something, a.k.a. Jesus or being saved, all of a sudden there's never, ever going to be another doubt that encroaches upon your mind. And I just don't think that that's realistic. It's not how life is in general. Like you, People have doubts about everything. They have doubts about, you know, what their cell phone per- subscribe, subscription should be to. And, mm-hmm. Or, you know, should I watch all of, you know, Game of Thrones in one night? You know, they, they, <laughs> we constantly question everything. So I just think that saying that something is so certain is a bit of a fallacy in my mind. Okay, so what was there, again, I'm thinking of questions that people would ask, have asked me over the last number of years, since mm-hmm. again, I came out uh, on air while I was interviewing Ravi Zacharias, big Mr. Mm-hmm. Christian apologist guy, and I said, you know, I'm no longer convinced that there's a God. And all of a sudden people started calling me, you know, atheist. They started calling me the A word. Uh, and so, yeah. so let me come at you with, with this. Um, did you have a moral failure that you needed to justify or rationalize? <laughs> no. And my um, my answer was, I've had them all, but I had nothing to do yeah. with, with that thing. Yeah, I would say I had the same thing. Um, um, you know, when someone sheds their faith that they were um, raised in, it's a long process to in, you know, untangle yourself from that type of experience. And so one of the really early experiences that I had, which was kind of like a red flag, but I was young, I was only 15. Um, that kind of, when I look at it now, I go, oh yeah, that's a moment when, when something went off in my head and went, what am I doing? Hmm. Why am I saying that this organization, this religious institution is so moral and why am I following what it says? And so I detail this, you know, in great depth in my book, but I'll tell you an abridged version right here. So I was sent to a summer camp for girls, a Catholic, you know, Christian summer camp. Um, And um, while there, um, it was, it was really, yeah, really kind of tenuous time there was a huge outbreak of sexual abuse scandals this was in the late 80s early nine well early 90s um and um all the churches all the dioceses were struggling with this and the the priest i mean the bishop sorry of my diocese uh his name was uh colin campbell um had issued a statement about the sexual abuse scandals and said that the boys and the children who were abused by the priests were kind of responsible for what happened to them because they participated in their abuse. And he issued this in the local Catholic newspaper, and then this letter was read from every pulpit in the diocese. And it was just this really horrible victim-blaming document that was calling people to rally around the church and to accuse the victims um, of being, you know, conspirators in their own their own abuse. So, so I'm at this camp shortly after this letter was sent out to the diocese and who shows up to talk to us young women, but the bishop. So the bishop showed up and he got up and was expecting, I guess, to be um, worshiped on some level. And um, he was talking about Jesus and love and da, 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 da. And a girl put up her hand and she said, why did you write that really horrible letter? 
you know, and why was it read from the pulpit? You know, why don't you have any compassion for the victims? And he was very upset, <laughs> to say the least. He kind of turned this shade of fuchsia and mm. got angry and was gripping the lectern and because hands were shaking and he was basically yelling at us that we didn't understand and that church was always right and blah, 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 blah. So we had got up and we walked out on him. So that was the beginning. <laughs> you go, girl. That was the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Because to think a bunch of 15-year-old girls got up and walked out on the bishop, like that was a really, there was a lot of, that had an impact on him. Sure. I think that was probably the first time he realized he had really messed up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So you didn't have any great moral failings. It was a long, slow burn. Was there a tipping point? There must have been one moment yeah. where you went, okay, that's it. No. Yeah. Um, there was one moment like that. And I was actually in seminary and I was taking a course on creation. And my professor, interestingly enough, um, a Jesuit who had converted to Catholicism from um, Islam. So he was raised a Muslim and then converted to Christianity, Catholicism, and then was eventually ordained a Jesuit priest. He was talking to us about um, the cross and creation. And he posed this question. He said, did Jesus die for the gerbil? That's, that's, that's. <laughs> yes, I'm not joking. I'm not, it's etched in my head because I was that's like, That's a question for Richard Gere, I think, isn't it? Yeah. It is a question for Richard Gere. So he was trying to get us to think about creation as, an entity all you know of human beings being part of creation and gerbils being part of creation and then if jesus died for all of creation then of course jesus died for the gerbil right so uh, when i i just remember hearing that question and thinking like this is ludicrous why am i sitting here spending you know eight thousand dollars a year learning this when um, it, this is farcical. So that was probably the tipping point. That's when things started to kind of roll downhill at a expeditious rate. Will Hammy Hamster go to heaven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hammy Hamster. I yes. love that show. Yes, he does. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, GP. Um, I, okay, hold on. Um, but uh, let's see, how do I word this? Just because I, we had a, an atheist, a girl who wasn't a believer in God, as she sang earlier in the show today, and we sort of had a similar conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there are religious goofballs, whether it's the organization or the, or the people leading the organization or the people attending the organization, just because humanity has screwed up religion doesn't mean that, you know, ipso facto, there, there is no creator, there is no God. What's your pushback on that? Um, I will. My pushback is this, is that it, people can believe whatever they want to believe, <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, it's really no skin off my nose. Um, and I really think that coming to the, the problem that people encounter, like myself, or maybe even yourself, is, you know, how incongruent the dogmatic expectations are versus is the reality of um, religious community, religious doctrine. You know, those two things kind of, it it just makes a, 
it really muddies the water to just say, okay, well, we've screwed up church, so there's something wrong with religion because we made it messed up. But, you know, God is perfect or good or just. I mean, religion is kind of the tool by which people wield or utilize God. And so if you say that there's something wrong with the church, then I guess my question would be, well, then what's what's wrong with God? You know, maybe there's something wrong with God, too, which is, I think, where most people who eventually become atheists, that's the road they end up going down, right? They they start with the the church is the problem, the organization organization is the problem, and then it gets whittled down until it's like, oh, okay, then it's kind of paper thin, and you're left with, do I want to continue to believe in something, or do I just decide to move on with my life? Right. So so I would say that really you're one step away from being an atheist, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to proselytize me, young lady. Oh, I don't like to proselytize anyone. I think people should get to where they get on their own. Yeah. That uh, it's your it's your individual responsibility um, to, in my mind, participate in the uh, you know um, the social contract. Be a good person. You know, um, do the right thing and uh, make good decisions. <laughs> so. Hey, uh, on the line with Catherine Dunphy, and she's the author of From Apostle to Apostate. The story of the clergy project, Catherine. The clergy project. Yeah. Did Richard Dawkins like call you up and say, "Hey, you want to be part of this"? Um. Well, um, sort happen? of. <laughs> um. What happened was there was the I I contacted actually Daniel Dennett, the philosopher um, at Tufts University, um, when I had read or heard about this study, uh, preachers who are not believers, that he and Linda Lascola had done um, with with Tufts. Um, and I, I contacted him by email and said, hey, um, I'm I'm this person. I am a person who was, you know, studying to be a minister or a, um, a chaplain, and I lost my faith. Um, are there other people like me? Can you put me in contact with them? Um, and that's really how that started. And so after I got in contact with them, a few months later, I I heard, I heard from Linda that they were going to be setting up a private online forum. And it was Richard Dawkins who um, who gave the seed money to start the clergy project off. So he's the one who set us up with our first website um, and paid for everything and made sure that it was secure so that we could protect the anonymity and the privacy of the members of the project. So, yeah, he is a superhero in my mind. He also wrote the foreword for my book. So... <laughs> I owe, I owe him a lot of favors. Um, he's a very uh, kind, considerate person, despite how he may be vilified. I don't know. Um, people are really complicated. <laughs> They're not perfect. And they make mistakes. Everybody no, does. No. And they have. Yeah. So, you know, show. here I am, an atheist who uh, preaches forgiveness. No, Hi. stop it. Say it isn't yeah. so. Um, it is so. so. So, listen, what I... What I want to know here is, who of all of your Jesus friends made the most sense when you came out about being an atheist? Who said something that I actually got through? Because I had so many people say stuff to me when I came out about my uncertainty, just uncertainty about the their existence, the existence of a creator. People mm-hmm. would just, I mean, it was just, I, I even went on a search. We did a thing called Drugal. 
Drew's Search for God. <laughs> I remember that. And I interviewed all sorts of people about, you know, their reason, their evidence, their tangible interaction. Tell me about your tangible interaction with this creator. And they would give me stories that would be equivalent to I prayed for a parking spot and there it was kind of stuff. And, and it was just <laughs> pathetic. But but one time, I remember Bruxy Cavey from The Meeting House said something uh, profound to me. But instead of me going on about what Bruxy said in my life, I want to know about what Jesus person said something to you that actually got through. Really, nobody said anything that got through. Um, mostly because when I was in school and... Um, I, and I went to my registrar, actually, um, and said, listen, I need to get out of here as fast as I can. How do I do it? And she's like, why? And I'm like, well, because I don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> and she didn't She didn't say anything. She just gave me the her academic advice and sent me on my way. And so nobody, even when I convocated as an atheist, <laughs> nobody said anything to me. Huh. Not once. No one tried to dissuade me out of my belief. They let me make my own mind up. Um, and didn't want to talk about it. And, uh, and that is really what I found for many, many years. Nobody that I went to, to seminary with really wanted to talk to me afterwards or talk about it. Um, and it wasn't only, in, it was only recently that I, you know, reached out to a really good friend of mine that I used to actually be roommates with and we talked about it. And then I discovered, you know, and she, le- she's left ministry since, um, I discovered that she doesn't believe either. So it's kind of this unspoken secret. It's like gays in the 1950s, yeah. you know. Yep. You don't dare talk to one another about your disbelief or your doubts because the potential for exposure and um, is really great. And, you know, people would be worried about harming their relationships or, you know, some sort of external threat to their livelihood. So, mm. so yeah, it doesn't get talked about in, from my perspective. It oh. just didn't get talked about. Okay, well, just because the atheists are running this, I, I still, I still want to endorse it mm-hmm. because I, I, I know what it's like for someone to be clergy mm-hmm. and to be not only doubting, but then all of a sudden you make that decision and you, and you can't step away because what are you going to do? I mean, you're, it's not like any other job where you're belie- Well, I'm sure there's some examples that are similar, but when you, when you come out with what your new beliefs are. You then no longer have a job, and many people then no longer have a place to stay, and then many, most of them have to actually move. I remember Mike mm-hmm. Iaconelli writing in yeah. his book, Messy Spirituality, about a preacher who said, I can't uh, preach anymore. I can't. I'm, I'm quitting because I, I'm not sure I believe anymore. And the congregation said to him, no, 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 don't, don't go. Don't leave. Speak to us from the pulpit about your doubts, and let's process yeah. this together. Man, can you imagine that kind of a community? That so, would be wonderful. Yeah. So I yeah. want I want to know I want you to promote the clergy project right now. What I want because I've had dude, you have no idea how many people have come up to me who are secretly unbelievers but they can't tell anybody because their job requires that everyone believe that they're believers. Okay, so I would say contact the clergy project, go to the clergy project website clergyproject.org read about the members, what they do, how they support one another, and then, you know, make an application and speak to somebody from the project. Because once you speak with someone inside, then, you know, you you will be open to, to 
having access to the resources that are there. One of the resources that is there is a transitional uh, employment grant. And so when I was executive director of of, uh, TCP or the Clergy Project, I worked with the um, Stiefel Free Free Thought Association um, to uh, develop this program, which is basically like – job trainings, job searching, um, resume help, um, and then basically a job developer to help you find employment and develop your networking skills. So so there are resources that are there to assist clergy project members who are trying to transition out. Um, The other thing that I would do if someone's not ready for that is that I would visit um, Rational Doubt, which is um, a blog on the Patheos platform that has clergy project members who write regular blog posts that talk about different issues that relate to clergy who are doubting, who have lost their faith, who are looking to move on into a different career Hmm. or looking to connect. There's the opportunity to talk to members from the clergy project through the blog and there's also the opportunity if people wanted to to write about their experience and submit um a post for uh, publication so i would say that go, going to the clergy project website going to rational doubt those two things would definitely help now if there's somebody out there who um say they're they're already transitioning out and they're looking to see if there's any sense of community out there for them then they could plug into some pre-existing groups like Toronto Oasis or um, Sunday Assembly Toronto. Um, There are other humanist groups which offer some community support for people that are going through this process because it's long and it's lonely. Like I went through it the kind of isolated silo way where I did it like a long, you know, (laughs) a long journey, some sort of, you know, scene from a from a Lord of the Rings novel, that's how it felt in some ways, because I was on this journey by myself and so isolated. So I would say that there's no reason that you should go through this alone, um, because there are resources out there for you now. So please utilize them. The internet has made things possible that wouldn't have been possible even 25 years ago. So so utilize it, please. I, I want to resonate with everything you just said. It has been one of the loneliest journeys one of the loneliest times in my life, yes. being who I am, doing the show that I do, uh, having come from the tribe that I came from, um, it turns out that the vast majority of the relationships I had were because of convenience, simply because I was in the tribe. And now that I'm not in the tribe, the, the relationships just didn't hold weight. Um, mm-hmm. And the and the the condescension and the judgment and the trite answers and the ugh. and then I got to be careful not to be a judgmental jerk back to them for saying oh I, I believe there's a god cuz I got a parking spot when I prayed for it. like come on obviously I roll my eyes at that stuff and I kind of go really that's your proof there's a god but mm-hmm. I got to chill with my judgmental stuff uh, as well yeah. so anyway yeah, we all do. Yep. We don't want to. We like it. The, there's already enough barriers to making sure that human beings are able to work collaboratively yep. together. So you know, um, I think it's good that you're trying to be as open-minded and less judgy. Um, I think everybody <laughs> should be more open-minded and less judgy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that might that might help societally speaking. It would help me on this show. Oh, shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Um, Catherine, thank you for your time. There's so much more we could have pulled apart and talked about, but we just wanted to give everyone a little snapshot. If you want to uh, mm-hmm. creep on Catherine, uh, find her on Twitter. It's C-A Dunphy, D-U-N-P-H-Y, C-A Dunphy, D-U-N-P-H-Y. The book is called From Apostle to Apostate, The Story of the Clergy Project. And uh, again, I just I, I got to say this one more time. If you are out there and you are in quote unquote ministry and you have bailed and you don't you no longer believe, I know how lonely that that whole thing can be. And I'm not even saying I'm no longer a believer. I'm saying that I'm no longer a certaintist. Very different things. It's not even a real word. Um, but I don't want your loneliness to to drive you into the ground. Because if there is a creator and you were created, you were not created to dig dig a grave for yourself to jump into just because yep. your belief system is shot. So rise up and join these people. I don't know why I said just I just said yeah. rise up. I should play <laughs> oh, little parachute club. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, thank you for your time. So good to chat with you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.